As we go into this week of prayer and fasting, I know there are people in this room who are passionate prayers and also online as well. There are people who just love to pray. But there's a whole lot of us in the room who also feel guilty that we don't pray enough. Or maybe we don't even pray at all unless things are really desperate. Every time the word prayer is mentioned, a myriad of thoughts can go through our minds. I don't know what to say. I'm not very good at praying. God doesn't listen to my prayers. There are people in here who struggle with prayers not being answered. And if that's you and you want to come along tonight, we have uh, someone speaking specifically on unanswered prayers. So if that is something that you really struggle with and question, um, I'd really encourage you to come along to tonight's service and see what they have to share on that particular topic. There are also times when we meet in in life groups, uh, in group settings or in public settings, and sometimes someone says, who wants to pray? And there's often complete silence. And then occasionally someone will put their hand up and say, oh, all right, I might pray. Sometimes we think in, in, in ourselves when that happens, I'm too shy and awkward to be the one to pray. For some people in here, it might be that English is your second language and you think I wouldn't know how to put it in English. We sometimes think, what if I say the wrong thing and everyone else judges me in the room? Or maybe that everyone else is far more confident, far more eloquent and far more spiritual than we are. I feel that God simply wants to say to us today, pray. Just start somewhere. Just do something. Just do something small. His desire is for you to take the next step in developing a closer relationship with Him. Last week, Pastor Sean spoke on um, the discipline of our mind and how we need to change the way we think sometimes and create new pathways for our thoughts so that we have a healthier way of looking at life. It's the same when it comes to spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting. Many years ago, I had two friends that I would meet with on a regular basis. And at one point in time, I was having a, a bit of a challenge, was feeling a bit low. And I was saying to these, these couple of friends, you know, I should be exercising. I should be reading my Bible more. I should be listening to worship music more often. I should be praying. And my friend out of nowhere said, stop shooting all over yourself. And at first I thought she was swearing at me. I wasn't quite sure what she was saying. But then um, she explained what she was saying. And she said, you know, we need to get to a place where we do things because we want to, not because we should, out of duty or obligation. If we only do something because we should, it's not a good indicator that we have a healthy relationship with that person or that activity. I can tell you right now that exercise is something that I don't have a good relationship with. Uh, I often hear myself say, I should go for a walk. I should go to the gym. Um, But it never happens. But the comment my friend made that day has forever shifted my perspective on my relationship with God. Instead of saying, I should pray, I now say that I want to pray. I want to have a close relationship with God. I love this quote by Adele Calhoun, who wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. And it says, Prayer is sustained less by duty 
than by a desire to connect and grow in intimacy and communion with the Holy Three. I'll read that one more time. Prayer is sustained less by duty than by a desire to connect and grow in intimacy and communion with the Holy Three. We don't create a habit of prayer just because we know we should. We usually don't stick at something for very long just because we're required to. If I think I should exercise, I will usually find excuses why I can't on any given day. If no one's looking, we don't do things that we think we should do. We often only do them for appearances and for other people to think that we're doing the right thing at any point in time. I had one year where I had a complete shift in my focus. I was in a bit of a, a down state of mind and I sat my husband down one day and I said, please don't laugh at me. Uh, I've got this exercise program I really want to do and I'm really going to stick at it. And I did. I'm not going to say the name of it because it's very funny, the name of the exercise program, but it actually worked for me because my mindset shifted where I wasn't doing it because I should, I was doing it because I wanted to. Developing a habit of prayer starts with a desire. Talking to God comes out of wanting to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It comes out of acknowledging that we want Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. It comes out of being aware of the Holy Spirit as our ever-present counsellor. Billy Graham once said, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. We need to be very conscious that it's meant to be two-way. That means it involves both speaking and listening. It's not about us giving God a list of what we want or what we need. It's not about us outlining our ideas and our plans. It's not about us telling Him what we want Him to do and then walking away from the conversation. I'm not sure if you've ever had a heated conversation in your house, but there are times when we've had some heated discussions in our house and there will be one person who will say what they want to say and then leave the room. And there is no opportunity for the other person to come back with what they would like to add to the conversation. Sometimes we can be a bit like that with God. We say what we want to say and then we leave the room. We need to learn to sit in the presence of God and give Him our undivided love and attention. It is a two-way conversation, not just us speaking, not just us giving Him our 10 cents worth and then leaving. It's about sitting, saying what we need to say, but also being prepared to listen. When you see a new couple dating, they are very keen to spend time together. If you are a new couple yourself, you will be experiencing that right now. For us who have been married for quite a few years, we may have children who we're watching doing that at the moment. And it's lovely watching them want to spend time together. They are keen to spend as much time as they want in each other's presence. They want to talk to each other for hours on end about whatever's going on in their life the highs and the lows. They want to get to know each other better. They want to do things that please and delight the other person. You never hear them say, oh, I should go out for dinner. You don't see them say, hear them say, 
oh, guess I better give them a call. And you don't usually hear them say, I suppose I should buy them a gift. It's a good reminder to all of us when it comes to our relationship with God. Do we want to spend time with Him? Do we listen as much as we talk? Do we want to do things that bring Him joy? The Bible demonstrates to us that anyone can talk with God. It wasn't just the priests and the religious leaders or important people like King David. There are examples of women praying, like Hannah. In 1 Samuel it says she was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. A few chapters later, we see that Hannah's son, Samuel, is listening and talking to God while he is still a child. He hears the Lord calling his name and he replies, Speak, your servant is listening. We also see Abraham's servant asking for God's favour on his circumstances in Genesis 24, 12. He said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. There is no exclusive prayer club. It doesn't matter whether you're an adult, a child, educated or not, rich or poor, God desires relationship with all of us. He wants to talk to us and He is always ready to listen. Because prayer is a conversation, we can talk to God about anything at any time in any place. Jesus would rise very early in the morning while it was dark and go to a desolate place to pray. He would also go to the mountain and continue in prayer to God all night. Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. On the battlefield, Samuel cried out to the Lord to help the children of Israel. Nehemiah prayed in a palace in the presence of the king. The writer of Lamentations cried out to the Lord from deep within a pit. Jonah, I don't think any of us will do this one, Jonah called out to God in the belly of a whale. A group of women would meet together on the riverbank to pray. Stephen prayed for himself and also for his executioners as he was being stoned to death. And Paul prayed while the ship he was on was in grave danger of being wrecked on the rocks. But do you know what he prayed for? He didn't pray that the storm would stop and he didn't pray that they would arrive safely. He actually prayed a prayer of thanks for the food that they were about to eat. I thought that was very interesting that it was just being grateful and thankful in the midst of other things that he could be asking for. He was just being thankful. There is nothing stopping us from praying at any time or anywhere for anything. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, When you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I think that's an encouragement to a lot of us who feel like we have to pray extravagant prayers. We have to say a lot. Actually, God's not after a lot of words. He's just after meaningful words. It goes on to say, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then it continues on with what we know as the Lord's Prayer. This this passage isn't actually about praying in your room, even though we hear that bit in there about go into your room and pray in private. We know from from the list of things I mentioned before that people talk to God in all sorts of places and under all kinds of circumstances. So this verse is actually talking about the attitude and the motivation for what we say and how we pray. So If talking to God for you is like meeting a stranger for the first time and you're not sure what to say, just imagine that you are just having a conversation with a good friend. Just like we praise a child, a friend or a work colleague, we can praise God. We all know we can do that. When we're at work, we see something that a a colleague does and we say, oh, that's great, you did a great job. We do it with our children. We do it with other people and friends around us. So that's nothing more than what God asks of us. We can ask for things or express our love and thankfulness. We can share our deepest concerns or our greatest joys. We can acknowledge our failures and we can ask for forgiveness. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, this doesn't mean that we walk around with our eyes closed and our heads bowed everywhere we go all the time. A French monk in the 1600s named Brother Lawrence made it his life's mission to have an ongoing conversation with God to practice the presence of God no matter what he was doing. Now that might be a long stretch for most of us, but what would it be like, what would it look like for you if you intentionally sought deeper intimacy with God? What would it look like for you if you took that one step closer to spending time with him? I've been thinking about this idea of being in the presence of God recently and I was challenged to think of something that I could add into my day that brought me into God's presence a bit more often than I had been. And the one thing I decided to do, well, two things actually, one was that I decided to pray in my car as I came to work. The other thing was that as I sat down at my desk in the morning, before I opened my computer, I would pray. And I realised how hard it was to change that pattern of just coming in and just getting on with my work and to actually make myself stop and spend time focusing my attention on him before my day even began. Now, it might be something different for you. You might have something else that you like to do that takes you into the presence of God on a daily basis. But I would encourage you to think of something 
not to be critical of yourself if you miss. It's not every single day I remember to pray before I open my computer. It's not about being legalistic. But it's about making little changes because we want to spend more time with God. This week of prayer and fasting is a great opportunity to set yourself a small challenge. You can use that prayer and fasting card, this one here that's on your seat, to join in and pray with us for one thing each day over the next week. If you're already a passionate prayer, keep going. But if you feel like you always forget to pray or go days on end without thinking of God, just take one small step closer. Is there a portion of your day when you can draw your attention away from your work, from your social media for lots of us, your TV, your food possibly, when, it, when we talk about fasting and spend time talking to God and listening to what He has to say. If you're not sure where to start with your prayer, you can use an acronym. Some of you may already know it. We use the word ACTS to help give us some ideas of how to pray when we do pray. When we pray, it's good to first take some time to praise God for who He is. For the sake of this acronym, we use the word adoration for A. King David is well known for his ability to express his thoughts and emotions through the Psalms. And any of you who have read the Psalms will know that he expresses his joy, his sadness, his frustration, his disappointments. He expresses everything through the Psalms. And in Psalm 104, uh, sorry, 145, he has this um, word of adoration and it said, My heart explodes with praise to you. Now and forever, my heart bows in worship to you, my King and my God. Every day, I will lift up my praise to your name with praises that will last throughout eternity. Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise, for there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. I know for me there was a time where someone suggested you use every letter of the alphabet. If you were trying to think of something to say to God that was praising Him, worshipping Him, that you could pick any letter of the alphabet and think of something that started with that letter that you could use to praise God. So that's a challenge for those of you who like you know, playing with words and things like that. Is Can you think of something for each letter of the alphabet that is speaking of God's greatness, of what He's able to do and who He is? The second letter in Acts is confession. 1 John 1 verse 9 tells us, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David provides us with a good example of a prayer of confession in Psalm 51 after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he cries out to God and says, God, Give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. Because your compassion is so great, take away this shameful guilt of my sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience. Sometimes we find it hard to admit when we've done something wrong and to acknowledge the things, whether it's to God or whether it's even to people around us. Sometimes we don't like to slow down and say, actually, I 
made a mistake or sorry, that was my fault. Um, we like to brush over it sometimes. However, we can be very good at pointing out what other people are doing wrong. But sometimes it's hard for us to admit that. But God wants us to be open with him and to be able to come to him whenever we've had things in our life where we know that we want to surrender it and give it over to him. The third thing we can do when we pray is express thanksgiving to God. It can be thankfulness for his provision, for his guidance, for his forgiveness or his love. In Psalm 9, David says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I really love there's a verse in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 that's kind of the theme verse for my life that I try to remember all the time is, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And this bit here, don't forget to thank Him for His answers. We can be very quick to tell Him what we need. We can be very quick to ask for things. But it's not so often that we thank Him for His answers. So when you pray for things, remember to go back and say thank you as well when you see the answers of those things come through. It might not be straight away. It might take days, weeks or months before answers to prayer come. But don't forget to go back and thank Him for those things. Now, the final letter is S, and it's a word we don't often use in the English language. But this one is often the one we do most when we take time to pray. The word supplication is a big word that we don't hear very often, and it means when we ask for something earnestly and humbly. Now, we certainly ask God for things, but how often are we asking earnestly and humbly? In Matthew, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, and give him a servant, a serpent, not a servant. Some of us might want someone to help out at home, but we're just a serpent in this case. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? When I find myself in a situation where something is bigger than I can handle or fix, I know I always have a mighty God who loves me and loves the people I pray for. There have been times when people have come to me and talked to me about things and I think, wow, that's big. I don't know if I can fix that. I don't know if I have the answers. But I know God is there and I know He wants to listen. I know He wants to answer. Just remember that when you pray, that He is a big God who knows far beyond what we do. He sees the big picture and he does want good things for us. He doesn't always answer in words. You won't always hear an audible voice. It can be a quiet whisper in our spirit, a prompting. It can be a verse from the Bible that just jumps out to us that we may not have read for a while or may not have seen before. It can sometimes be a timely word of encouragement from a friend or even a stranger. God doesn't always answer in the timing we want. And he doesn't always answer in the way we think the situation should be resolved. But he does give wisdom. He does open and close doors. He provides for us 
and He can give us peace. Romans 8.28 says, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. It doesn't seem like it sometimes, but we need to hold on to the belief that He does work things together for good. It's not like the family car trip where the kids are always saying, are we there yet? I don't know if you have kids who say that when you're going somewhere. It's not about getting from point A to point B. It's not about asking Jesus for what we want at the takeaway window and then going on our merry way. Life is a journey and God wants to be along for the ride through the good, the bad and the ugly. He wants to be in the car with you talking along the way, sharing funny stories, giving directions when needed, keeping you alert and encouraging you when you're tired. If God is currently standing outside the car of your life, the first step is to let him in, even if he's in the passenger seat for a while. But the ultimate step would be for him to take the driver's seat and for you to sit back and enjoy the ride in his company. If you haven't talked with God for a while, you can restart the conversation this week. Choose a moment in your day to pray. It could be first thing in the morning. It could be last thing before you go to bed. It may be in the car on the way to work or during your daily walk. It doesn't have to be fancy. Just talk to Him. For those who don't already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be encouraged by the conversation that took place while Jesus and the thief both hung on the cross. The thief prayed, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. That was a conversation. And that was the only conversation that that thief got to have with Jesus on this side of heaven. He didn't get to prove he was good enough. He didn't get to do anything. But he had a conversation with Jesus. It's never too late to have a conversation with Jesus. You may feel like the thief on the cross who doesn't think he deserves to be remembered by Jesus. And there was certainly one on the other side of Jesus who was mocking him right the way through. But this thief saw there was something different. He saw there was power in Jesus. And he desperately wanted to believe in him and have a relationship with him. 